We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome into the LakersNation.com podcast. I'm Trevor Lane. You can follow me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane on Instagram at Trevor Lane NBA. Our last show when I broke down all the different trade options for the Lakers, I told you guys that we would be having some guests come on, some of them from within Lakers Nation, some from outside, but by popular demand, brought in Ron Gutterman from LakersNation.com here. Ron, did you know that it's by popular demand? I get a pretty decent amount of messages saying, hey, bring that Ron guy back on. No, I, I did not. Well, I, I have people that ask me why I'm not on the post-game shows anymore, and I, I tell them, you know, I, I'm busy at nights uh, most of the time uh, due to another job I have, so that's why I'm not on the post-game shows, but they're free to catch me on stuff like this all the time. I think it's okay that we say what your your other job is. It's basketball, really. You're coaching. You're, you're yeah. coaching basketball right now. So, sure. so LeBron, it's... Coach, basketball team so yeah that's that takes up a lot of nights so it's not like ron is is leaving us to go do something non-basketball related he's getting to, to coach and, and do some x's and o's and all that kind of stuff which is very cool um we've got a lot to talk about today we've got a new signing with stanley johnson we need to talk about that contract we also need to talk about the lakers health moving forward and what this can mean for the team now that they are the healthiest they've been all season but we would be remiss if we didn't kick it off with something about Kobe. And obviously most of you are probably listening to this on the 27th, which that's, that's okay, but we're, we're recording this on the 26th. So I want to mention this. I put this out on Twitter, Ron. It's a little bit strange. And I, on our last show, I finished by talking a little bit about what Kobe Bryant means to all of us, how we should all kind of remember him on this day, that, that sort of stuff. But the number of coincidences we've seen, since Kobe and, and Gianna passed and then the seven others on that, that flight, that helicopter flight uh, today, as of right now, here we are the anniversary of, of their passing and the Lakers are currently in the eight seed and they have a record of 24 and 24. Now that's not good. That's not necessarily something to celebrate, but what are the odds? What are the odds of that combination of things happening? The Lakers being the eight seed and having a record of 24 and 24 on this specific day, 
that it, it blows me away. It's got to be astronomical, the odds against that happening. Yeah, and, and and we talked about this a little bit before recording, and ha- you, you just said it, like how often these coincidences have happened in the last two years. And I keep going back to either the numbers 24 and 8 show up in basketball way more often than I realized, and I didn't notice it until two years ago, or this has just been like a, a really crazy string of coincidences. You know, remember in the, in the playoffs in 2020, they were playing Portland. Oh, yeah. And the, while wearing the Mamba jerseys, they're up 24 to 8. They went on this crazy run to start the game, and it magically ended. The run ended at 24 to 8. Like, stuff like that, it, it's coincidental. And I, I don't, you know, again, maybe those two numbers just showed up in basketball all the time before 2020, and I, I, we just didn't notice because there was no real significance to it. But it does seem like it's just happening more often than it's happened before. It certainly does, and it just gives it gives that much more meaning to it, right? When it happens, when we notice it, and in a way, it kind of makes me feel a little bit better about the Lakers' record, which is not good. That's not good. That's not where we expected this team to be at 500. So people have been commenting on Twitter saying, saying, well, Kobe wouldn't be very happy about where the team's at right now, no. and that's, that's no. totally fair, but it still feels like it's kind of cool that that's where they're. Hopefully they go on a major run from here and they're above 500 for the rest of the season and they start to look like one of the best, better teams in the Western Conference. Hopefully that all that happens. But as of right now, it just feels like such a cool kind of eerie coincidence that I'm not even all that upset about it on this day. Yeah, for today, it's, it's fine, especially because they're coming off a good win mm-hmm. yesterday. Anthony Davis back in the lineup, you know, all that stuff like, it it came on a good day, right? If it had been like the Lakers were 24 and 23 and got blown out by the Orlando Magic last night and now they're 24 and 24, it would feel more like, ah, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's not a great thing that happened to get here. But it, it was a good night last night for, for the Lakers. And so it feels more a little bit hopeful than anything. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. We did have a signing that took place today. In fact, just about an hour ago, uh, Stanley Johnson, as of when we're recording this, Stanley Johnson, now with the Lakers for the remainder of the season. And this is the tipping point for me. This is, I already knew keeping Stanley Johnson, that's a good deal. That's a good deal for the Lakers. I think he's been really good in terms of his perimeter defense. It's what the Lakers needed. They needed a big wing who could defend high scoring wings and provide that positional versatility. That's what Stanley Johnson does. But what makes this, what takes this from being a good deal to a great deal, to me, is the team option for a second year. Team option for a second year for Stanley Johnson on a cost-controlled contract. This is going to be a veteran minimum deal. And now you have the option to keep him next year on the same contract or similar contract. To me, that takes the potential for this deal through the roof takes it to being a a very low risk potentially medium to high reward deal for the Lakers. Yeah, so he has a he has a minimum deal next year which is about 2.3 million uh something like that team option. So the Lakers will have to decide uh in July before free agency begins. I believe it's like like so uh, like 2 weeks before free agency begins or something like that. They will have to decide if they are picking up that team option or declining that team option which would then make Stanley Johnson an unrestricted free agent. Um, but yeah, having that option is great because 
if you if Stanley Johnson is a really impact, high impact player the rest of the season, you can pick him pick up the option. It doesn't affect your cap situation at all. I mean, you're probably pay, paying a little more tax than you'd mm-hmm. want to, but it, it doesn't affect your salary cap situation at all. It's a minimum deal. It doesn't take away any of your you know your tax uh, mid level exception. It doesn't take away any of that stuff. So it's pretty much a no risk move. Uh, because you get Stanley Johnson for the rest of the year, uh, you get him at the the way he's been playing now, and then you get to make a decision on do we keep him at a minimum or do we have other plans for his roster spot? Less so than do we need the money. That's less what it's about. Is he a starter the rest of the way? Un- if, unless the Lakers make some sort of deadline move to go get a def- like a three and D wing, uh, yeah, I would have to think so. The Lakers. Um, especially with Anthony Davis back, now they don't have to worry about pairing Russell Westbrook with a non-shooting big. Um, they don't need to worry about pairing him with the Dwight Howard because if you had Dwight Howard starting with Russell Westbrook, then Stanley Johnson starting is kind of really difficult mm-hmm. because that's just so many non-shooters on the floor. But if you can have Anthony Davis at the five, LeBron at the four, that opens things up for Stanley Johnson to play, you know, to start and get real minutes. So. For me, he's probably a starter the rest of the way unless the Lakers make some sort of move here in the next two weeks. See, and to me, that only increases the value of this deal. If you're the Lakers especially, like if you were a team, let's say you're a team that's way below the cap. The Let's say the Oklahoma City Thunder, who are below the salary floor at this point. like They, they have to take on salary just to get to the league minimum right now. If you're a team like that and you find Stanley Johnson, Okay, that's, that's still a positive. You find a guy that you can put into your lineup and can contribute, that's great. You can get a guy like that on a better minimum. For the Lakers, though, for a team that's above the cap, that is into the luxury tax, finding production on a veteran minimum is not just a nice thing, it's a must. It's a must. You have to find guys on veteran minimum deals that can produce for you on the court. And that's what Stanley Johnson provides. So in terms of building out your roster, if you're getting a guy offering you potentially starter level production that you found in the G League and now you have for potentially the rest of this season and next season on a veteran minimum deal that's gold that's gold for a team like the Los Angeles Lakers and then Ron when I throw in I can't get more excited about this I throw in the fact that he's 25 years old that means there's still upside here there's still potential and we have to leave in that hey maybe it doesn't work out but that's where they've protected themselves with the team option this is this is a great thing for the Lakers. Yeah, and and you know you talked about if you're a team over the tax and all that, you need to hit on veteran minimums. The Lakers have ten veteran minimums on their roster right now, which is an unbelievably high number, by the way. You mm-hmm. know that's not great, but they have ten veteran minimums, and you could argue that one of the things they struggled at this offseason that Rob Palinka and the front office did not do well is hitting on those veteran minimums. They they hit on essentially in the offseason, they hit on essentially three out of nine that they signed in the offseason, maybe four out of nine that they signed in the offseason. You know, Monk, Carmelo Anthony, Austin Reeves, maybe Avery Bradley, you could say, but like Dwight has been in and out of the lineup. DeAndre Jordan, Kent Bazemore, Wayne Ellington have all been outright bad and have been, you know, banished to the bench. So they didn't really do a good job hitting on the margins. And so when you get a guy like Stanley Johnson, it represents a big win for the front office because you can say, okay, 
we now hit on 50% of our veteran minimums, which that's as good as you can ask us to do when we have to sign 10 of them. That's it's a good, good number. I do want to get into that. I want to get into the Lakers roster moving forward and what their rotation is going to look like. But before I leave Stanley Johnson behind here, I need to finish with this. The health and safety protocols, Omicron, all this stuff that's been hitting the NBA. This is a tough thing for the NBA. Tough thing to deal with. You're, you're essentially bringing in replacement players. G League guys are coming in. Heck, Joe Johnson played in the NBA, right? That's how desperate. Darren Collison. <laughs> Darren Collison. That's how desperate the league got for just players, just so we don't have to cancel games. Give us guys who can somewhat competently put on an NBA jersey and go up and down the floor, right? We, the next step would have been grabbing athletic-looking fans out, out of the stands and putting putting jerseys on them and saying, here, here you go, you hop in. You can play for a little bit for us. They had to find guys. And that's tough. That's tough for the league to get through. That's tough for the product on the court. That's tough for fans who bought tickets to those games, wanting to see the stars. And next thing you know, the stars are out for 10 days. That's tough. But the silver lining was that you were going to get all of these guys who were going to get opportunities opportunities that they wouldn't get otherwise. And we knew that for some guys, some guys they would get, they would join a team and they might never set foot on the floor. Other guys will join a team and actually get some minutes. And for a select few, they were not only going to get minutes, but they were going to impress teams enough to potentially earn a job in the NBA. Again, that was the silver lining. That's the feel good part of this is these guys who have been clawing to get back in the NBA. Stanley Johnson was out of the league, now had an opportunity to earn their way back in that they would not have received otherwise. And credit to Stanley Johnson, he seized that opportunity and he ran with it. Yeah, and Stanley Johnson is a, is a former lottery pick. And obviously that doesn't mean too much. It doesn't mean he's, you know, going to become a superstar anytime soon, but he is a lottery pick. So at, at one point, there was high enough value on Stanley Johnson that a team decided he was worth using a lottery pick on. So there is something there, and Lakers fans see it on a nightly basis. He is as good of a defender as there probably is in this league on a veteran minimum. Like, I, I couldn't name a better defender on a veteran minimum contract, um, at least from the players I see on a regular basis. So that it's, it's a really positive thing, and yeah, he's, he's absolutely earned this opportunity and more. 100%. Agree 100%. Um, you, you mentioned the Lakers roster, and let's talk a little bit about that. I do want to get into moving forward, what does the Lakers ro rotation look like now that they're getting healthy? But you look at the Lakers rotation last night against the Brooklyn Nets, two nights ago for most of you who are listening to this on, uh, on Thursday. Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Russell Westbrook. No surprise there. Stanley Johnson and Avery Bradley joined them in the starting lineup. When the Lakers front office put together this roster, Stanley Johnson was not a thought in terms of getting minutes for the Lakers this year. Not at all. Avery Bradley was not either because he wasn't even on the market out there to, to get until, what, they picked him up the day before the season started? And yep. now he's been starting most of the games for the Lakers. So you have two guys in the starting lineup that were not part of the original blueprint to put this team together. And then you look at the bench. You look at the guys who got minutes off the bench. You could say, okay, Malik Monk, Carmelo Anthony, Taylor Horton Tucker. Sure. Those guys were all expected to contribute. Austin Reeves though, 
He got what at the time we thought was going to be the last roster spot, the 14th roster spot. Then Avery Bradley came free. But so he was one of the last guys in. And as an undrafted free agent, there's no way the Lakers had any thought when they were putting this roster together that Austin Reeves might be one of their most important contributors off the bench. And then you look at the guys who didn't play. Kent Bazemore got a couple minutes in garbage time. Trevor Ariza, Dwight Howard, DeAndre Jordan, Wayne Ellington. These are all guys that the Lakers signed in the offseason coming in with the expectation that to varying degrees they would contribute. So looking at the Lakers rotation right now, how much of this, like, it's good to see the minutes go into the younger guys, but how much of this is also an indictment of how poorly some of their decisions in the offseason actually went? Yeah, this, this is what I was saying earlier about veteran minimum contracts. The Lakers, you could argue, I would argue the Lakers' biggest mistake was letting Alex Caruso go. Of course, I think most people would agree that that was even more egregious of a move than the Westbrook trade. Um, the Westbrook trade has not been great, but I think in the moment there was justification for it. I think we, we talked about that a lot about what the justification might look like, mm -hmm. but these veteran minimums, you could really argue was just a complete whiff by the front office. They had to sign nine players to veteran minimums and you could argue five or six of them were just complete failures, like it was it was a mistake, and they could have gone a different direction. Um, I think DeAndre Jordan is the big one where you say that like what what was even the thought process there? Uh, you look at Ken Bazemore, Wayne Ellington, Trevor Ariza, and Trevor Ariza. You know he was injured, but that's that's part of it. He's been an injured guy, so to sign him thinking he'll be a huge contributor probably was a mistake. So yeah, I think. I think one of the biggest indictments of this offseason is they put their faith in guys on veteran minimums who were just not trustworthy and they could have gone a different direction. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And of course, we're talking about their physical performance on the basketball court. Not not necessarily their character as people in terms of, of trustworthy there. They're all great people, actually. <laughs> Trevor Reese is fantastic. One of the NBA's best. Just not a contributor on the floor at a high level anymore. Just He's 36 and he's got an injury history. Yeah, I mean, he's coming off of ankle surgery. So that, I mean, we have to, we have to make sure we note that. But, but yeah, so 
when we look at this, and, and Dwight Howard, by the way, maybe shouldn't be in this group because you know that anytime that the Lakers are going up against a big, like we probably see him in the next game against the 76ers. They're probably going to yeah. use him well, against Joel Embiid. Yeah. So Dwight Howard is a guy who very easily could be in the rotation. But on the surface, when we, talk, when we talked about what the Lakers did, given that they were limited veteran minimums, you thought, hey, Trevor Ariza, that's a big three and D wing. You got a shooter in Wayne Ellington. Great. This guy was like 40 plus percent from three last season. Fantastic. Uh, you signed these guys uh, that you thought were going to be able to come in and help. Kent Bazemore did some things defensively. His advanced stats on the defensive end looked pretty good for the Warriors last season. I talked about this a lot in the offseason. I said, during the offseason, Everything is sunshine and rainbows. We expect everybody to be at their very best. And that's how we look at teams and we say, oh my gosh, maybe this team has too much depth. The truth is not everybody hits. We've seen that happen every year. Not every guy hits. Not every guy stays in the rotation. Unfortunately for the Lakers, I think more players than we expected have not been playable, if we're honest, out there on the floor. And so that's required them to very quickly pivot. And thank goodness Austin Reeves has had the kind of season he's had. Thank goodness they found Stanley Johnson because without those guys, this would be an even more glaring issue for the Lakers. Yeah, it, it's it. I mean, yeah, it's been ugly for some of those guys. And again, the 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 hit on Malik Monk, like getting him uh -huh. at the veteran minimum, that makes up for a lot of that in my eyes. Like you got him at a veteran minimum. He's been far out producing a veteran minimum. So that makes up for I like I'll give I'll give them three whiffs on a veteran minimum for the hit on Malik Monk. So that's that's not bad, but you know, it, it's tough. This is this is kind of the hole they put themselves in. And this is why, more so than the on-court stuff, this is why the Russell Westbrook trade starts to look a little worse. Because when you make that deal, you put yourself in a hole of now you have to sign nine players to veteran minimums. And when you have to sign nine players to veteran minimums, you increase the likelihood that half your roster is not going to play well. And it, it's tough, but this is this is the nature of the roster they created. And while there's absolutely still hope, and I think uh, Tuesday night against the Nets showed what kind of hope they could have, it's kind of, it, it's, it's bogged them down and it's part of why it's been so, so inconsistent and so rough this year. Yeah, we've... We've certainly seen a number of nights where LeBron James has had it going and it just feels like nobody else is really helping him, right? We've seen that. We've seen that happen a number of times where it feels like nobody else can, can chip in. Now, Malik Monk, like you said, massive hit. 41% from three on the season, career high for Malik Monk. He's been fantastic. He's been everything that you could have hoped he would be and then some. He's been great. Some of these other guys, not so much. Austin Reeves has been a hit. Now, Stanley Johnson has been a hit. So these guys help to mitigate that. But like you said, that's the danger of going with veteran minimums. They're more high-risk guys because father time, he hits you fast. He hits you fast, and you don't know when that play is going to drop off. I always think back to Gary Payton in, what was it, 2004, when he was pretty good for the Milwaukee Bucks the season before, and then he became a Laker, and suddenly the glove was the mitten, and, and he, just, he just didn't have it anymore. Um, it, it can hit you fast, and so that's the challenge that the Lakers put themselves in when they made that, that Westbrook trade. But all of that, I suppose, is water under the bridge at this point. The roster is what it is. Aside from a trade, which I still think the most likely outcome that we're going to see come the trade deadline, like the Lakers are going to try. They're going to do everything they can to make a move. I think the most likely thing we see is them make a move to free up a roster spot. I think that's the most likely. They take some cash, they pay a team 
to take DeAndre Jordan off their hands or Kent Bazemore off their hands in order to open a roster spot. That's the most likely outcome. Rob Plank is going to try. He's going to try to find a bigger move. If he does, great. Most likely, they make a smaller move. So if this is the roster moving forward and we get a relatively healthy Lakers team, which they are the healthiest they have been all season right now, the only player out due to injury is Kendrick Nunn, who's still dealing with that bone bruise. What do we project moving forward? For the Lakers roster, for their rotation, what does this look like at this point, knowing who's available now? Yeah, I mean, it's really tough because consistency has been such an issue for this group. So they put together really a, a, a defensive, a very good defensive game against the Nets on Tuesday. They win. They hold them under 100. James Harden had a good game, but, you know, he got bailed out with a lot of fouls and his usual James Harden stuff. So, like, it was a very good defensive game. But the the issue that we've had with this Lakers team is that that defensive effort won't be there the next game. So they play they play Philly on Thursday, and, you know, that's a very good team. Uh, and you could see, you could totally see, based on how the season has gone, you could see them come out and give up 130 because that's kind of how it's been all year. Um, so... Best case scenario, I, I think this team absolutely has potential, um, but we just we haven't seen best case scenario for longer than two games at a time this season. Agreed. I think that's a challenge. I don't like that you put that out, the, out there in the universe that the 76ers might score 130 on the Lakers. Let's let's. I, I, don't, I didn't want to, but like <laughs> we've seen we've seen the story, right? Like Lakers Lakers play fantastic game against good team. Maybe they're back. They beat the Jazz. Maybe they're back. Lose to the Pacers immediately. Like, this is just kind of what it's been this year. It's true. It's true. By the way, you mentioned the, the whistles James Harden was getting, the Harden whistle. I hope that's not coming back. The NBA, they did such a great job getting rid of that kind of stuff, getting rid of it compared to last season. We started yeah. to see it creep back in in that game against the Nets where Harden was getting some of these whistles where you're like, what is happening here? Please don't let that come back, NBA. And I'm talking about Trey Young, everybody else that does that stuff. Let's not get back into that version of the NBA. But that would take us down a whole different rabbit hole. Um, when I'm looking at, at this roster, I think you're at a point now, and perhaps the benching of Russell Westbrook a few games ago speaks to this. The name on the back of the jersey does not matter. That's the point. We are past the point now for the Lakers where... They're concerned about, well, this guy has done such great things over his career. He's got to be in the game. And I'm not specifically talking about Westbrook, I'm talking about any of these veteran guys. This guy over his career has done so many great things. So he just naturally has to be in the game. We have to give him time to figure it out because we know what he's done over his career. We're past that point. That ship has sailed. The Lakers are at a point right now sitting in the eighth seed where they have to win games. And if that means that you take a veteran guy who has been really good over the course of his career, whether it's Trevor Ariza, whether it's DeAndre Jordan, Wayne Ellington, any of these guys, these veterans that you thought you could lean upon, if that simply isn't the case, if the guy who is going to produce is Austin Reeves, the undrafted rookie, if it's Stanley Johnson, the guy who's been on three consecutive 10-day contracts and just got signed to a veteran minimum deal, if it's Malik Monk, if it, whoever it is, the name on the back of the jersey no longer matters. We're past that point from here on out. And really, we've been past this point for a while. All that matters is what can you do for me right now? 
That's the only thing the Lakers need to be concerned with. And if that is indeed the mindset, I think we're going to see more of the rotation we saw against the Nets moving forward, where you're asking the younger guys to do a lot more of the, of the heavy lifting. Stanley Johnson, Austin Reeves, Taylor Horton Tucker even's getting in there, right? Malik Monk. These are the guys that you're turning to and your veteran guys that have names that have been doing this for a long time. If they're not being as productive as the young players, their name isn't enough to keep them on the floor anymore. Yeah, it's really funny because the Lakers are kind of the best and the worst example of father time always wins. Uh, they're the best example because they have guys like DeAndre Jordan, Trevor Reza, you know, who are clearly, you know, that this is kind of it for them. And then you have LeBron, who's the worst example of father time always wins because, I don't know, LeBron's kind of winning. Um, so it's very funny to see that that type of thing on this team. But yeah, I mean, I, I said this before the game yesterday. I'm I'm perfectly happy with the rotation the way it is now. My last thing is get Avery Bradley out of the starting lineup. It's my like that's it. That's the last thing I I wish for with this roster as is. Um, but yeah, it seems like Frank Vogel is finally saying, okay, it's time to go to the youth because the youth is winning right now. Hundred percent, hundred percent. All right, let, let me hit you with this because we talked about this on the post game show last night. You want to take Avery Bradley out of the starting lineup. I believe there's two options to replace him. Yep. Who are you replacing him with? Austin Reeves. Okay. And I, the other option is Malik Monk. Uh, there's been a lot of that. Uh, I think Austin Reeves is the more likely option because Frank Vogel can justify it by saying, I'm taking Avery out, but I'm not taking the defense away. Like, if you if you replace Avery Bradley for Malik Monk, Frank Vogel's going to have a heart attack because he's going to be like, I don't have any defenders that can guard a, that can guard a, an opposing point guard. Austin Reeves, you can still justify it and say, okay, I didn't lose a ton on the defensive end, and I actually gained on the offensive end, so I feel like I made a good trade-off. I went Malik Monk on that one. I went Malik Monk, and I and I did it in part because we had seen this thing where Monk was just cooking when he was a starter, and then when he went yeah. to the bench. It was like somebody put some kryptonite in his pocket or something like that. He just he wasn't the same guy. But then last night against the Nets, 22 points off the bench, 6 of 12 shooting. So maybe that's him kind of getting adjusted to it. And his skill set does suggest he could be that microwave scorer off the bench. That's kind of what we've seen from him this season. So I'm not totally against it. I'm not. I do wonder a little bit about your spacing. That's the trade-off here, right? If the Lakers, if they can find a trade by the trade deadline for somebody that can do both things, defend and shoot, that person is probably the ideal fit in that starting lineup. But otherwise, you're picking one or the other. You're picking Austin Reeves' defense, which I think is is somehow even underrated. We still see teams try to pick on Austin Reeves on the defensive end of the floor, and I just laugh. It's like three plays a game. Yeah, it's like three plays a game where they like go and attack Austin Reeves, and they quickly realize that they should stop doing that, and they stop doing it. Like It's like, oh, okay, this guy's for real. I thought I thought they were kidding. It, it really is funny at this point. It's almost like back in the day, teams that used to try to post up Josh Hart and you're just shaking your head and laughing. And you're going, nope, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> Don't do it. But we've seen this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, just ask David West. Um, this is Austin Reeves, I think is your pick if you're focusing on defense and maybe in terms of Frank Vogel being a defense first guy, you're right. He may, may make that choice. Or you're picking who's going to give you the best floor spacing on the offensive end. And that's Malik Monk. 
I don't think anybody on the Lakers gives you floor spacing like Malik Monk does. Maybe Carmelo Anthony, because you know, every time the ball touches his hands, there's like a 70% chance the shot's going up. So yep. maybe you could argue Melo provides that kind of spacing as well. But in terms of efficiency, in terms of, of all of that, Malik Monk is, is certainly the fit for the offensive end. Austin Reeves is the fit for the defensive end. So interesting to see where they go there. I do think that could be a change that's coming. Although for whatever reason, Frank Vogel has this affinity for Avery Bradley where he just wants to keep him in the starting five. And Avery Bradley, I don't, I don't think Avery Bradley should be banished to the bench and never seen again. I think that he's got usefulness as a player. I just think you can optimize this starting lineup a little bit more with one of those two guys that we're talking about, Monk or Austin Reeves. Yeah, Avery Bradley can play 15 to 20 minutes a night. I, I have no issue with that. I think, you know, limited role, he's fine. But when you're starting him and you're starting him alongside Russell Westbrook, you're essentially saying no one, no guard on this team, and then you're starting Stanley Johnson too. You're essentially saying no one on this team is a threat to score from outside of 10 feet consistently. None of the guards, because you're essentially putting a lineup out there where LeBron James is your best shooter from three. That's a problem. Like, if you look at your starting lineup and LeBron James is your most consistent shooter, you have a problem. And I think Austin Reeves, even though it's obviously much smaller volume and much uh, smaller sample size, I trust him to to shoot a three at a, at a higher rate than Avery Bradley. And the defense isn't isn't enough of a drop off for me to be concerned about that. Now, this is where perception matters. Austin Reeves is shooting 33% from three on the season. Do you know what Avery Bradley's percentage is? I would guess, like, he's always been deceptively good at threes, and it bothers me, but I would say, like, 36. 39. 39% from three for Avery Bradley. So if you're Frank Vogel, you're looking at this, and you're saying, hey, he's shooting 39%, but it's not just about the percentage. It's about your attempts, which Avery Bradley's at about like three and a half-ish. I think it's 3.7 attempts per game from three. It's not just about your percentage that you hit, though. It's about how willing are you to shoot that shot. Uh, we saw it last year with Marc Gasol. How many times did teams just leave Marc Gasol behind the arc, even though they knew he's a good shooter, but there's a decent chance that he doesn't pull the trigger on that shot? Carmelo Anthony, on the other hand, teams scramble to him. He's shooting 39% from three, but he's taking six attempts per game. You know if the ball goes to Carmelo and he has half a foot of space, the shot is going up. So if you're an opposing team, the ball gets to him and it's, oh no, we have to get to this guy. Avery Bradley, even at 3.7-ish attempts per game, which is more than I expected it to be, he still doesn't command that same respect out there behind the arc. I don't know if it's a huge difference in terms of floor spacing, not in terms of efficiency, but in terms of floor spacing from Avery Bradley to Austin Reeves. Yeah, Avery Bradley, like I said, he's always been that guy who's like, no one actually trusts him to make threes consistently. And then you go look at the numbers and you're like, oh, but he, <laughs> he does make does. threes consistently. But no one thinks it. And and if we're sitting here saying, ah, we don't trust Avery Bradley to shoot, NBA teams are also saying, ah, we don't trust Avery Bradley to shoot. Like, who cares? So I think that's, that's part of it where the percentage drop off, sure, it's 6%, but Teams are going to, I feel like teams will scramble more to Austin Reeves than they would to Avery Bradley. I, it, maybe I'm completely wrong, but it, from watching the games this year, it feels like defenses actually go towards Austin Reeves when he has an open shot, and they don't go towards Avery Bradley when he has an open shot. 
I will say part of the reason why Avery Bradley has been so efficient from three has been he gets the corner threes. He sneaks into those corners, and so he gets the shortest three on the floor. That's the shot that he tends to take, and he does a decent job making those. So that's where he does have some some value as a, as a floor spacer. But ultimately, I do agree that at some point, swapping out, and maybe it doesn't even have to be swapping out. It can just be switching the minutes so that Austin Reeves gets more minutes than Avery Bradley or Malik Monk. You know, if you're going to have, say, three players to some degree sharing minutes, in terms of the the percentage of minutes, I would put Austin Reeves and Malik Monk pretty close, and then Avery Bradley as kind of the third guy there. And maybe it means Bradley starts and you just feed more minutes to the other guys, but I do think that you're getting more out of Reeves and Monk right now than Bradley, and you can still use Bradley, just maybe not quite as much. Yeah, I see Monk as sort of like a... I see Monk and Reeves as both kind of like 25 minutes a night mm-hmm. kind of guys. Maybe if they're feeling good, 30, you know, you can go up there, especially with Monk when he's in microwave mode. But Avery Bradley, unless he is hitting... Unless he has one of those games where he hits everything, like we know there's like five Avery Bradley games a year where he just like randomly can't miss. Unless it's one of those games, like he's a 15 to 20 minute per night kind of guy just because he does bring you things on the defensive end. He's no longer the type of defensive player he once was, but he brings you really good ball pressure, as he always has. Um, But offensively, there's just not a lot of respect for him, and he's not an incredible help defender. He's really just an on-ball, like, pressure your best ball handler type of guy. Yeah, agreed. So we'll see. We'll see what they do from here. I think from this point, the rotation that we saw against the Nets most likely is the rotation we're going to see moving forward. Now, maybe Kendrick Nunn coming back changes that. And maybe we do see Dwight Howard in certain matchups, like I would expect him to see to see Dwight Howard against the 76ers. Otherwise, I think this rotation is one that the Lakers are probably going to stick with. And I think it's the, the best thing, aside from the Avery Bradley thing, I think it's the best thing for them moving forward. If they're veteran guys, Ariza for right now, we'll see what he can do as he gets his, his legs back on him from the ankle injury. Uh, Ellington, Bazemore, those guys are just right now not part of the rotation, DeAndre Jordan. And these guys are also, I think, at risk for getting moved at the trade deadline to free up roster spots so the Lakers can chase guys on the buyout market. So we'll see what happens there as well. But Ron, thanks for coming on here, man. I wanted to go through this, break down everything that that the Lakers roster is looking like, especially now that they finally have everybody healthy. And again, this was by popular request because I've had a lot of people asking to have you back on the show. You know, I appreciate uh, all, all the all the comments saying that I, I should be on these shows. I will be. I'm on it during the day. But, yeah, post-game shows are just not not in my schedule right now. But, yeah, it's uh, it's always fun to, to talk about the Lakers. And hopefully last uh, – well, not last night, Tuesday night. I'll say that for the people listening on Thursday. Hopefully Tuesday night can act as sort of a, uh, a turning point for the season. Hashtag the season starts now, right? We've only said that a few times at this point in the season. <laughs> Appreciate everybody joining us. Make sure you are following us wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, um, doesn't matter. Anywhere that you listen to podcasts, make sure you follow us there. And of course, subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel and ring those notification bells as well. Till next time, stay safe and see ya.